0: The Claude three model family by Anthropic is your one-stop shop for enterprise AI. Haiku is lightning fast and cost-effective. Sonnet strikes the perfect balance between skills and speed. And Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Learn more at anthropic.com slash Claude.
1: Today on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, we speak with Refinery29 CEO Philip Von Boris about how he wants to bring the women's lifestyle publication to television why the company is heavily investing in video, and what Facebook's growing influence means for the media business.
0: Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business.
1: Hello and welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. As always, I'm Stephen Pearlberg. I'm here with Jack Marshall. Jack, how's it going? I'm doing great, Steve. Uh, so we are joined, very excited to be joined by Philip Von Boris. He's the CEO and co-founder of Refinery29, which I'm sure all our listeners know. is a digital media company focusing on women's lifestyle content, entertainment, fashion, health, politics. So here we are, three dudes. We're going to talk about the world of, of women's lifestyle. Philip, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thank you. I'm super excited to be
1: here. Uh, f- fan of the podcast, we were just told, so that's that's always good Absolutely, to hear. Absolutely, and I get to see the
0: like dungeon
1: firsthand, which is great. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, we we don't usually do the um, taping with our with our shirts off, but uh, <laughs> this time there are no shirts off. Yeah, we made an exception. <laughs> um, so, Refinery Twenty uh, Nine, you you guys, uh, we wanted to jump right into into sort of recent news I wrote about in August. Um, Turner, uh, broadcasting giant, TV giant, led a four, $45 five million dollar funding round uh, in your company. Uh, which which I was told valued it at about 500 million dollars. This really comes at a time when traditional media companies are linking up with digital guys. There's there's Vice and Disney. There's Vox, NBCU, um, NBCU and BuzzFeed. Uh, most recently, Discovery and Thrillist. Uh, and you guys with Turner. I'm curious why why you think that is uh, that these sort of TV guys and digital guys are linking up uh, in, in the ways that they are through through sort of investments or outright acquisitions and things like that
0: well it's a it's an incredibly exciting and dynamic time in, in, in media and I think what you see happening is that um, there's a few brands probably less than um, less than a dozen or so who have really built um, great audience reach and strong brands that really mean something in the world and um, and what you see is that those brands have pushed to Um, really every new and important platform uh, platform out there and have built and scaled audiences. And TV is kind of the next big platform. Um, There's still huge audiences there. Um, It's probably one of the most efficient um, businesses still that exists in media today. Um, And there is a um, huge push into video content as a result of people spending most of their... um, time on their mobile devices and consuming video content. And of course, all the platforms have opened up the floodgate with regards to shifting their their content focus to video. Um, we were an early, early um, adopter of that and started to invest heavily in video. And so what you see is a strong alignment. And what that means for us is we've built a very, very um, focused um, media brand on empowering, inspiring young women around the world across a range of different content uh, content categories. And Turner has an exceptional portfolio of really amazing global brands like CNN, TBS, TNT, um, and not a huge representation in women. So there was a really strong strategic alignment. And I think that what you see happening right now is this this uh, mutually beneficial Relationship that 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 is starting to emerge, where the traditional TV guys are really starting to um, uh, want to understand and really get the insights of how to program um, for different audiences that exist on different platforms, which is fundamentally different. How to make money on those platforms, and um, at the same time, you guys, and at want the same that. time, we're pushing into television, um, learning from them in really, really sort of symbiotic ways.
1: What do you think the opportunities are? I mean, when we spoke in August, obviously it was, it was early days, the uh, investment had just been announced. But what are some of the opportunities that you think, or Turner thinks, you know, we're, we can see Refinery29 on this television show? I mean, is it, is it the, the Refinery29 network, the Refinery29
0: red carpet show? Uh, where do you think the opportunities are? I mean, it's in content creation and uh, and ad sales. So today, Refinery is you know the number one brand for women um, across the full distribution landscape. Other than WSJ Media Mix podcast, of course. <laughs> Um, I listened to Cindy Gallop's podcast. It was great. It was great. Um, and, um, and so there's tremendous opportunity there to expand the um, the programming into the Turner universe. They've got some great shows like Samantha B, for example, which is um, tremendous. And there are some great assets to do more with, to do more with digitally. What can we do in taking some of their core franchises and create digital extensions? What does it look like for us to take red carpet um, They, for example, um, uh, have the SAG Awards as one of their key franchises in um, in the first quarter of the year. And what does it look like for us to create digital extensions there, to bring new advertisers into the fold? So right now, those two things, um, ad sales... Content creation is where the focus lies. We've actually got some exciting announcements coming up soon, both with Scripps, which is an investor from our earlier um, round back in 2015 together with WPP, um, as well as with Turner, creating sort of new digital extensions um, of programs that exist online, wrapping interesting new um, uh, you know, digital ad formats around them, as well as pushing some of our IP into the network world, which you'll see, which you'll see now, next year. So
2: just talk a little bit more about the ad sales piece that you mentioned there, because I guess it hasn't historically been easy, let's say, for digital media companies to, to make money online or for any media companies to make to make money online. Um, so, I mean, is that sort of a big driver here behind these types of deals, do you think, sort of the ability to go into a brand and say, look, you know, we can sell you this audience across all platforms?
0: Well, it absolutely is. I think when you look for us, we've built a nine figure business as a digital media mostly advertising business today with very differentiated business lines. Um, Our core media advertising business, which of course is heavy around branded content. um, We have an events business. We have a talent business that's growing by leaps and bounds. Um, So our portfolio of business lines as an advertising um, digital media business is very diversified. And within that, again, we've built a, a substantial business north of $100 million. And you can probably, there's probably three other businesses in the, in the you know, current landscape that have hit um, a similar echelon of, of scale. So um, we've always been really, really focused on monetization. And monetization in this space right now, specifically if you're looking at the video landscape, is challenging, um, I think everybody who's probably um, been here as visitors has grappled with, well, what is the enormous Facebook um, scale that I have as a, um, as a player mean with regards to my ability to monetize? Um, we, you know, we look at, at TV as a next natural frontier to create great extensions and the ability, obviously, to be able to take traditional programming um uh that lives um you know in tv and that digitally that gives an advertiser, you know, for example in our categories like beauty, an amazing new way to connect the dots. And I think that brands are looking right now at this specific moment to TV again. It's a trend that we're seeing out there because they know what they're getting. There is strong um, transparency. So when you have alignment, um it gives brands, um, you know, a unique, uh, you know, value proposition because I don't think anybody wants to give up on, on on digital at all. Digital is growing by leaps and bounds, but finding ways in which you can really have that, um, uh, you know, combination of the two is really powerful.
1: You mentioned branded content; that's a major part of your business, and you know, the the conventional wisdom for a few years now is that you know brands are are obviously very interested in this in this sort of space, but that it's largely things like test budgets and, and they're still sort of maybe dipping their toe in, in the waters there, whereas you know to your point, TV more tried and true or, or other forms of, of digital advertising. Where do you see that, that market going now because it's, it's you know it, it must be a, a growing part of your business. So I guess this is to say, can you sort of break down your, your business model for us and, and where do you kind of see the future of, of that branded uh, branded content?
0: Yeah, maybe first on the business model and then the future of brand and content. So, um at the, at the heart of it, we're a mission-driven company, right? Our, our role in the world is around putting women into every conversation that matters, from obvious topics um, like beauty, where we, for example, pushing the boundaries of diversity and inc- inclusivity, to sports, where you have 40% of athletes being women in the U.S., but only 2% of media time dedicated to women. So um, women and comedy is another one. So a range of different categories, and that mission-driven piece is extremely important because when we work with brands, we really try to start at a place of saying, how can we change the conversation um, over the long term? This is not about just answering to an RFP and um, you know, running a you know, like week-long campaign to push a specific product. It's about us teaming up with a brand to change the dialogue. An example of this is something that we just created called the 67% Project. Um, 67% of women in this country are at size 12 or above. Um, so we teamed up with Lane, Brian, and Ari, two um, amazing brands that are in the plus-size space, and created a campaign over many, many months to change the perception of plus-size women in modern media. Um, and that's a really important conversation to have, and it's essentially could be bucketed and a branded content, but it's really about... Um, creative solutions for a brand how but, do you create how do you start at the nexus of having something really important and driving that and then creating content around that that lives on snapchat that lives on facebook creating a new completely changed stockpile of imagery featuring um featuring women in media so that's at the the heart of it that we're a mission-driven company and we try to align that with our core brand partners
1: the challenge there it, it must be you know to, to, to our earlier conversation on, on television or, or things like that, you know, uh, an advertiser might be able to track uh, their ROI, whereas what you're describing is you know, certainly a, a, a noble undertaking and something that brands are interested in. But it must be more difficult to say, he, here's how many dresses you sold or uh, you know, things like that. And, and, and marketers these days are increasingly wanting to know the business outcomes of
0: their campaigns. So h- how do you um, communicate that back to them to say, this is what you got out of it? Look, there's, there's basically two things that matter to anyone who is, who is looking to get their message out there. One is, am I reaching more people and am I increasing the awareness um, of my product and what I'm trying to sell? And two, am I actually selling products? And different brands and different categories of advertisers follow in different um, buckets. An automotive brand might decide to. Um, actually, our objective is to just change um, the perception of how women see our products um, versus a retailer heading into Q4 is going to be very much approaching us to say, hey, how do I sell more dresses or a specific category? And we have different product lines focusing on, on, on different things. So, at the heart of it for Refinery is a business model that really um, focuses on our work with brands and how we change our relationship with women selling products. Driving awareness—that's the heart of it. Um, and within that, you know, there's different business lines. So we have a we have a life events business that's growing um, by leaps and bounds. We, you know, we had a we had an event during Fashion Week that drew over fifteen thousand people. Um, there was a public event. Um, we have a talent business whereby we're working with um, influencers um, on branded marketing to maximize the potential of what you've built. All right, we're going to take a quick
1: break, but we'll
0: have more with Philip right after this.
1: This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years. A lot has changed, but one thing that remains constant, including the different types of durable income and portfolios, can help investors meet their goals. With expertise across income and alternatives, Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible.
0: I'm Veronica Dagger. Do you want to know how the rich invest, spend, and protect their money? Then listen to the Watching Your Wealth podcast. For more information, check us out at wsj.com slash podcasts and find us on iTunes, Stitcher, and now Spotify. WSJ Podcasts. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show.
1: All right, we're back. Uh, We were just sort of talking about uh, some of the the platforms, uh, Facebook, Snapchat, uh, that you guys have really delved into um, i want I want to go to Snapchat because um, you guys have been on the Discover their media platform uh, since since the start um, and i 'm curious you know now that this has been around for more than a year um, it 's obviously gotten a lot of attention and we 've written about the resources that you all have dedicated to that and, and increasingly media companies are dedicating resources to that channel but i'm wondering now, is it profitable
0: uh, for, for you guys I mean what what is the makeup of of that? So snapchat is um is one of our most important channels um we have a team of i think over fifteen people dedicated to it and we are the top quarter of brands on the on the platform um and and neck neck to neck is the most important brand for women on the platform um Snapchat, as you know, is sort of um particularly Hesitant with some of, releasing some of the information, so yeah, not know. dodging the question. <laughs> I'm just I'm just being mindful of what I can speak to. What I, what I, you know what, what I what I can say is is that it's easily one of the most important platforms for us at this point. The scale is enormous, and we're making real money on the platform. Um, and um, you know that's incredibly powerful. Um, you know, going back to. You know Facebook is another example in the monetization that happens on Facebook with video today or the you know, lack what, of what's that or the lack of or the lack of um, but I think what you find is that it's like it's like sort of a um, th- like you have a range of tools at your disposal to hack your way to monetization on something like Facebook, for example, where you know I think the traditional f- formats for video uh, monetization are Nascent, emerging, probably will become more. Um, but branded content is um, is a real thing. So you know we have a you know we have a channel on Facebook called Shortcuts. It's a standalone video channel dedicated to um, to beauty, and um, and we've sold it numerous times um, because it's a perfect um, laboratory for great branded integration. Um, but going back to Snapchat, look, Snapchat is um, is. It's, it's enormous. The scale is enormous. It, it, it keeps growing. Obviously, the product is shifting in terms of you know, the, the user experience, mm-hmm. and it will have some inc- impact on Discover. Um, but the ability to reach as many people um, and develop as many fans and loyalists, like the numbers of subscribers that we've seen in the m- m- many millions of people who have chosen to click a button that says subscribe and get the content delivered, in their, you know, in their feet every day is huge. Um, so, so pretty exciting. So when you say
2: the scale is enormous on Snapchat, give us an idea of how your audience breaks down now because obviously you have your owned and operated properties and then you know, Snapchat, of course, Facebook you mentioned, you guys are on Google AMP as well. Um, so how, how does
0: that mix sort of look today? So interestingly enough, we actually started with an email product Seven or eight years ago, and we've always been really focused on email. Where you know we have um, you know close to five million people who get an email product from Refinery Twenty Nine every day. So email is actually in the top three. It's in the top three: Um, Facebook, search, direct, um, and syndication are the other big channels for us. Um, So there is um, there's the Obvious proliferation of distribution and content views that happen off-platform, which which is which is you know very very significant. I mean, um, currently we reach about three hundred and thirty million unique users across our various platforms, um, and that number is up almost ninety percent since May of this year. So, huge growth on the distributed platforms. But I will say that. Um, you know, we're seeing we're seeing a, a strong emergence again about native experience on your .com as well. I think as as products are getting faster, as um, as, um, as as sites are getting faster, um, the experience to actually bring people back into native um, uh, examples of a great you know destination page for our video series that we're developing, a documentary series or a scripted pages become you know really really important for the loyalists that you want to reach every day. Do you think let me let me ask
2: you this? Do you think consumers care about speed as much as platforms like Facebook and Google would?
0: Well, you see it you see it every day because if you, you see it in the consumption habits, maybe, but you see people turning away if you have a slow side. Okay, and uh, and you see people's engagement and your growth as a result of it dramatically increasing um, when you know side pe- side speed goes down dramatically. So. There's a direct relationship.
1: Okay. Talking about sort of the, the growth of, of distributed platforms, Facebooks of the world, we reported um, recently about Facebook's sort of video metric mis- miscalculation, that they were overcounting um, some video views, and, and we've, we've spoken about it on the podcast before, but we, that really seemed to tap into this fear uh, about the rise of, of sort of platforms that you, you don't necessarily know that, you know when Facebook kind of controls everything that there's a certain um, lack of visibility there. Um, was that something that is concerning to you? Or, or when you when you think about things like measurement and issues like that, um, that the more it th- the more uh, consumption goes to to other platforms, the less
0: visibility you're going to have about your own uh, content and your own sort of makeup. So I think there's 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 two questions there. One is the sort of question of measurement and transparency, and the other one is the question about dominance by the big platforms. Um, on maybe starting with the maybe starting with the second piece, um, dominance by the big platforms. You know, there's there's an interesting moment now that is in some respects analogous to what was happening in even in like the you know '90s or, um, or early aughts in in television, where you saw new Brands coming into the, you know, into the cable networks who, um, who are basically given away for free for the first twelve months to build audiences in the bundles, and I think that we're living in a similar world right now where um, important brands that are building deep relationships with younger consumers um, are 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 at, at a really interesting stage of. Not yet fully monetizing to their potential um but those plap in in terms of their relationships with platforms, but those platforms ultimately developing their products in such a way in which um you know brands like refinery twenty nine will enjoy um you know a direct relationship and monetize that to a full potential I see absolutely I feel fully confident in that so um So that's definitely happening on, you know, the question of transparency and measurement is such an important one. I think, um, you know, part of the reason why this whole, um, conversation about TV being back is an important one is because I think that brands are just getting something that they've bought for a long time and, uh, and it's true and proven. And so, um, Facebook obviously, um, has, you know, has, has acknowledged it publicly and I think they're, they're all over it. And, um, you know it's it's in everyone's interest for them to resolve it as quickly as possible because um you know everyone needs uh you know an objective third party um you know uh, measurement um to uh you know to feel like you can go back with a ton of credibility about the results you're actually driving
2: you you talked about um sort of the ability you you mentioned facebook there again the ability to sort of hack your way to Monetization now. Um, do you get the sense that um, I guess some of these platforms are struggling to figure out how to best sort of monetize the their offering there? So you know, obviously Facebook with video, um, you know, to a certain extent maybe instant articles and Google with AMP. Um, I, I don't know. Are they? Do you think they're sort of trying to figure it out? I mean, I guess you guys are having conversations with them about how to do that to an extent.
0: Well, I think. They they found themselves in this place where they've created enormous inventory and reach um, almost overnight, and uh, and people are obviously dedicating like ourselves great amount of resources to be programming original content into those platforms, and um, and right now it's it's up to you um, as a as a media company to figure out what you can do with that um, to the best of your abilities with what's in front of us. Um, again, I think that over the long term. Uh, the relationship between platforms like Facebook and, and media brands is going to get deeper and deeper and deeper. Facebook, I would bet money on it, is going to get much more into long-form content, um, it's not just only about, you know, thirty second sound of video consumption. Um you're gonna see scripted shows emerging on Facebook. You see documentary shows. Um and so the monetization model is gonna is gonna change. And it's early days. It's really like we're all in like pioneer town USA right now when it comes to where this this specific space. So it takes You know, a great amount of dedication. It certainly takes a great amount of resources Um, and your ability to monetize in other places as well. You know, that's so important about the video space right now, especially, you know, for us, because you're investing in Snapchat, you're investing in Facebook for a great amount of scale for building up your audience. The monetization is emerging. It's not quite there. By the way, video is going to be 30% of our business this year, up from um, less than five. Um, 16 months ago, so it's it's increasing pretty rapidly, but it's not the full potential yet. Um, and of course, there is the, um, you know, the the alternate model of monetization in video, which is really through original IP development, which is what this industry has relied on for a long time. So as you know, the um, future um, bundle world is going to sort of shed brands that don't resonate anymore new brands are going to emerge on that on that bundle and new forms of monetization are going to um, are going to are going to happen and so i think that right now it's um it's a particularly interesting time and you know it's it's part of the reason why people and why companies like ours um you know, align themselves with great strategic partners and uh, and and raise funding because you just need to be prepared for this to play itself out over the next two three years. Well, video, you mentioned sort of resources. Obviously, that that's
1: an expensive undertaking, increasingly so. And Refinery29 has raised 100, 125 million dollars uh, since its founding, um, which is a lot of money, um, particularly at your valuation. I'm curious what you think. The future sort of holds holds there. I mean, um, is that money being directed now towards sort of you know more video, more video, and in the hopes that that Facebook does sort of turn on the the hose eventually, and and that will really jumpstart
0: um, your ability to monetize? Yes, uh, you know, like like I said, we've we've been um, aggressive about being on every platform first, and the next one is TV. There's no question. Um, so, you know, f- for us, it's about um, making sure that there's enough resources to, um, to gear up and, uh, and invest in video content and understand that that's going to take um, a little while to um, reach its full potential in terms of monetization. Um, it's about investing in, in different types of content that are, you know, scripted shows, documentaries um, that live outside the current ecosystem of platforms. You know, we've, we've um, you know, recently cut... Uh, a deal together with Comcast and Watchable and you see more and more of these OTT platforms getting into the mix and um, that's going to be an important form of monetization for us for sure. And, um, and, of course, global. Global is another really important piece of our overall mix, and um, it's very important for the mission of, the, of, the, of, of Refiner 29 in terms of our conversation with women around the world. Um, and advertisers need global partners. Um, you know, advertisers want to be able to drive um, you know, global campaigns and activate them locally. And there's few partners at scale that can deliver that today. So in order to... Um, you know, scale to the um, to the to the to the place that we're that we're envisioning to grow a refinery into into a full um, you know fully distributed global media company. Um, you know, investing in video and global takes a fair amount of resources and it's a long game.
2: Do you plan to sort of throw all your weight behind the refi- the refinery brand as opposed to I know I think you touched on this earlier, but you have a, a comedy YouTube channel called Riot and other called Brawlers, and I know sort of the strategy for other digital media companies has been sort of spin-off, you know, different verticals with different brands. I mean, is that something that you see, or is it all about building
0: sort of the, the single brand? We've been, um, it's a great question. We've been super focused on building a single a single brand. Um, and I think as we're heading into the future, what you're going to see is, is more that the overall mission is going to be the, the unifier and our commitment to, um, to, young women and the content that um, that we're creating to create an ever-growing community. But um, I could see a world in which, you know, new sub-brands are going to emerge in that. And, in fact, we're experimenting with that. Riot, you mentioned Riot on YouTube, Shortcuts on Facebook is an, is a beauty channel that we launched to great success and which is growing rapidly and monetizing really nicely. Um, and, uh, you know, we just created... A huge life event called 29 rooms. So uh, for us, it's probably not the sort of portfolio strategy in which you have different brands that mean completely different things to the world and very different audience segments. For us, the future could be a more diversified model, but totally, totally, totally staying true to the audience that we serve every day.
2: Is that approach,
0: do you think, sort of a very
2: 2016 strategy in that, you know, if you spin off different brands, you can have different Facebook pages and maybe, you know, sort of inflate your scale
1: that way to an extent. Like one day, Facebook could wake up and say, Guess what? Yeah, we're going to collapse all them. of your properties into one. Right. So if you're yeah. BuzzFeed, you've got tasty, and, 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 you know, turns out Facebook says tomorrow, that's all one thing now in, in our eyes. We're going to aggregate that all together. I mean,
0: that, that that's got to yeah, be I some sort of risk. Uh, well, uh, I think the the importance is actually aligning different things that are very concrete with different sales categories, so um you know in our in our case shortcuts on on Facebook is literally the the you know perfect alignment with a specific and very important category for us, which is beauty um, or c p g right and so being able to take um It's really about having like concrete standalone offers that people can still go into and say, hey, I just want to get my, um, you know, my like wellness um, fix um, or my health fix in terms of like best nutrition. Um, I think if if Facebook was going to say we're going to consolidate all of that, then, you know, you'd still have huge aggregate reach. I think Facebook wouldn't do that because at the end of the day, everybody realizes that distinct experiences are really important.
1: I want to... uh, pivot really quickly before we before we wrap things up. We'd be remiss to not mention it's October. There's an election going on. Uh, and, the you know, the issue of sexual assault and the wage gap and other topics of interest to young women have you know, been a big part of this election season. And it seems like lifestyle publications typically stay above the fray. Uh, this election, not so much. Um, Teen Vogue, for instance, had a, a viral tweet storm about the election, which is not something you get to say every day. A viral tweet storm, but um, that caused uh, a little bit of a buzz. And I'm curious how how you guys, from a content perspective, have thought about the election. Do you find yourself sort of getting into that and and taking a, a stand, uh, or, or or avoiding certain issues? And and how have you how
0: have you uh, operated when it comes to the election? Yeah, I think if you try, is with regards to. Um, you know, a company that um, that believes in empowering women around the world, it's kind of hard to stay objective in this, in this uh, specific race. So clearly we're not objective. Clearly we'll believe in backing a specific candidate. In fact, today on Snapchat, um, this is probably going to air a couple days later, but on Snapchat today we have a first ever partnership with Hillary Clinton, um, um, an exclusive partnership. She's never done anything with anyone else on Snapchat. And um, we, today on our channel, um, have a um, feature dedicated to her experience giving her commencement speech at Wellesley. And is that um, editorial or is that sort fully, of... Them? It's fully editorial, um, but it's in partnership with her and her team. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's really about, um, you know, an inspiring um, piece of content and pushing, um, you know, a conversation um, where, you know... Wellesley never had a female commencement speech uh, speaker, or student commencement speaker rather, and uh, and she's telling her experience, um, thereby inspiring um, you know young women. And uh, I'm super proud of that one, and it's really um, it's really important. So we definitely have a, we definitely take a stance, and um, it's really important for our audience. All right, cool. Well, uh, Philip, thank
1: you so much for for joining us. I hope this lived up to your WSJ Media. Mix this, podcast I, saw the, expectations. I saw the inside of the of the cave. <laughs> thank you very much. Tell your friends. Uh, <laughs> All right, well, uh, thanks again for joining us. Uh, We'll catch you next time on the WSJ Media Mix podcast. Thank you.
0: WSJ Podcasts, listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos.